0: new details emerge in the george floyd trial biden is looking at implementing vaccine passports and trump crashes a wedding i'm william hall and this is the william hall show all right welcome back to the show So, starting this week off, you have Biden. He did a press conference where, honestly, he had no idea what he was talking about most of the time. He was mumbling and fumbling all over the place. I mean, there were literally moments where he was walking completely away from the podium, trying to figure out what in the world he was doing. Biden was completely confused at that press conference. It perfectly illustrates exactly why. They have done everything in their power to keep this guy off of the main stage. They don't want anyone to see what's going on. Stay away from Biden. Nobody talked to Biden. Nobody asked him any questions that he's not prepared for because he even had a list of the reporters names, their locations. I mean, he had no idea what he was doing up there. He had a cheat sheet. That's the only way he was able to barely kind of limp over the line. As far as doing this press conference, you even actually had Chris Wallace of all people call him out on this on the news
1: missiles, how we'll respond, consulting with allies, there will be a response if they choose to escalate. Your takeaways.
2: Yeah, I uh, and and I have to say I was also struck uh, by the fact that it seemed on every foreign policy question, not the others, but on foreign policy, he went to his briefing book like Jen Psaki does uh, sometimes in the briefings and was reading, uh, obviously, White House guidance, White House talking points. Uh, covering Ronald Reagan for six years, I never saw that. Uh, watching a lot of news conferences over the years, I've never seen that. A president in a news conference reading talking points, he did that on, a, it seemed, every foreign policy question.
0: Now, of course, I don't have a good opinion of Chris Wallace anyways. But, you know, it is funny that, of course, he's bringing this up now. Meanwhile, he completely ignored his or Biden's cognitive decline months and months ago when they there could have been a comment about it when it really mattered, right? He didn't say anything about it. Then all of a sudden he has a problem with it now. So it's like, okay, great that he's actually pointing it out, that he's actually showing that Biden clearly is not mentally there. Clearly is unable to even remember his own policies, but yet all of a sudden you're just going to completely ignore that before the election. How does that work? I mean, like I said, it's, it's good that he's actually saying something about it now, but it's kind of too late. You know, at this point, everything that has already taken place is already taken place. And him commenting on it now is like, okay, great dude. But you knew this, you knew that Biden was not mentally there a long time ago. And you didn't say anything then because you didn't want to hurt his chances of actually losing. So Trump of course gave his opinion on this as well on uh, Laura Ingram.
2: Well, they were strange questions and they were asked in a very, uh, interesting way it was like softballs like you're throwing softballs up and it's just a different world it's uh, nobody's seen anything like it you know it you know it better than anybody you cover it so well and it's uh it's very sad to watch actually they're they're feeding him questions they're easy questions I noticed Peter Ducey didn't get to ask a question today and uh, there could be no difficult questions uh and they're ready to rip the microphone away if somebody did get a little bit testy. Uh, and, you know, he just, look, the whole thing is ridiculous. You know it, and so do I. Well, where was there, where where you know was there Jim Acosta? The so do Mr. Mr. President, where was there Jim Acosta? I mean, uh, they'd have Acosta, well, like, in
0: your face every day, and others like that. They don't like have him. that,
2: yeah. But, and if Jim Acosta were there, he'd ask very uh, soft questions. It would be a whole different thing.
0: And like Trump mentions, all of the questions, very easy. All of the things that they were bringing up, very easy things for him to talk about. But even then, he had the toughest time really just keeping up with what's going on. This should be very concerning. It should be very concerning because we're not going to see much of Biden. I I don't think we're going to see much of him at all in general. What we're going to wind up seeing are these very controlled situations, if at all, when he's actually on the stage. Because they're going to keep him locked up in his basement as much as they can. They know that he is unfit to be able to stand on a stage and speak to people, that he is unfit to be able to do the job of the president and actually speak to people, actually hold press conferences. He waited so long. And of course, when he did it, it was the biggest cop out I've ever seen from any president. So this kind of made me think about the presidency in general. The idea of a president like Joe Biden that is losing his mental capabilities day by day. We're clearly able to see this. If you doubt what I'm saying, look at any clip from Joe Biden 15 years ago. It's like a totally different person. Totally different person. So Biden has clearly been showing signs of mental decline. It's obvious. I don't think anybody that's paying attention that's actually looking at these clips can deny that. Now, that kind of made me think, should there be a maximum age limit for presidency? Should there be an age where we say, here's the cutoff. You cannot basically be or run for president when you're over this certain age. Or should there not be? Should, Should maybe it be a mental test? I did a poll on this on the YouTube channel here, and I also did and saw a few other people do polls in different areas. And most people seem to agree that there should be some kind of age maximum that we kind of look to to say once you're over this age, you can no longer run for president. Because think about it. We have a minimum age limit. 35 years old. You have to be over 35 years old to run for president. Now, there aren't many people that are standing around that are 32 years old or 30 years old or something like that that are really trying to become president. That doesn't really happen that much. And honestly, I've never heard anyone complain about the minimum age requirement for presidency. Most people understand, okay, it should be somebody that's mature, that has some years on them. Sure, that makes perfect sense. But why is there not a older age limit as well. Over the age of 80, maybe over the age of 75, you're no longer able to run for presidency. The fact is is that when we look at the stats about this, one in seven people over the age of 70 have dementia. That should be very concerning. Now, I, I also agree with some people that say that maybe we should just have a mental test, just some type of cognitive test that basically is able to uh, determine whether they're just mentally fit for the presidency. But the fact is, is that even if they pass it at that time, there's a very good chance that they could decline very rapidly as they go on through, especially if they do two terms like Joe Biden. I mean, he's 78 now. Okay. We're not four years in. If he manages to survive through all of this, this guy is going to be well into his eighties. And we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about someone's mental fitness in general. So, these likely the the likelihood of these chances actually or these things increasing is as they get older is much higher and much higher as time goes on this is of course we're talking about the most physically and mentally draining job in the world i mean being president if, if you've seen the photos of people that have been president and they did two terms or even one term oftentimes and you see them when they start and when they finish and they look like they just aged rapidly because It's such a stressful job. And we're putting this on somebody on people that are oftentimes so old that it does call into question, should they even be allowed to run in the first place? Like I said, no one complains about the 35 year old age minimum. So why logically shouldn't there be an age maximum as well? If we're ruling out, say a 30 or 30 year old person like myself on the basis of age alone, it doesn't make any sense that we should refuse to rule out people on the other age end of the spectrum as well. Why shouldn't people that are of, like I said, 80 years old or something like that, for example, not excluded at the same time, realistically, and we have to be realistic. I have to be realistic here. I don't think it's ever going to want to be implemented. Of course. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm having this discussion. We're talking about this. We're thinking about this, but in reality, no politician or at least not enough politicians are ever going to be able to come together collectively to agree to something like this. And the reason why is because they would be basically kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They would basically be making a policy that keeps them from basically being able to be president at some point in the future. So most of these people aren't going to vote for this anyways. They would not support it. Even if you could get the support of a few people, it's going to take a lot more than a few to really push this through. But like I was saying, there really isn't a good logical argument for allowing 80 year olds to run for president while literally denying say a 30 year old for running for president at the same time. So let me know what you think. Um, I, I think it's an interesting discussion. I think it's something that many of us should be kind of thinking about just in general, when we're talking about the age of the president, the people that we're actually putting in office, are they mentally able to do the job? Maybe just a mental test is fine. But regardless, it definitely brings into question a lot of these things as we're literally seeing Biden, a person that I know as time goes on, we're going to continue to see further and further mental declines over time. New details have now emerged from the George Floyd trial. Now, most of the trial so far as up until right now has been very, very, very boring. There hasn't been many things that have actually been revealed at all in the general sense of what's going on. But there is one big Detail that I haven't seen anywhere one big detail that I think makes a massive difference in how we perceive the case going forward And that is the fact that it's between the store owner and george floyd. This is all before the police were ever called So if you recall george floyd was the he had the police called on him because he actually Was paying or trying to pay for a pack of cigarettes with a fake or a counterfeit $20 bill the store clerk noticed this and called the police. Now, that was the story we had initially. Well, we actually found out that George Floyd basically paid for the pack of cigarettes and then went outside and sat on his car. He basically was kind of chilling outside of the store, like, which is kind of stupid because you know that you just paid with counterfeit money, and the store clerk came out and confronted him when he noticed that the bill was obviously a fake, and he said, hey, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity, man. I noticed that you basically paid with... counterfeit bill. So you have the option of either returning the pack of cigarettes that you fraudulently purchased from me or paying with real money. Now this was, and I'll get into why that's important, but he said this once and then George Floyd basically said, no, I'm not doing it. Like, forget it. I got what I wanted. Buy, Bye. Go away. Now the store clerk apparently went back in the store and then came back out a few minutes later, Because George Floyd was still there. He still didn't leave, by the way. And not so he had an opportunity to walk away there if he really wanted to, but he didn't. He stayed there, sitting on his car, apparently. And the store clerk said it again. Hey, man, I'm just giving you the opportunity, man. We're going to have to call the police because this is a fake bill that you used to pay this. This is against the law. It's not, you know, you basically stole a pack of cigarettes from me. And he gave him another opportunity to return the the pack of cigarettes or to pay with real money. And George Floyd turned him down again. Why is this important? This is a big detail because what we're talking about is George Floyd had so many opportunities to basically do the right thing and he refused to do the right thing over and over again. Now, once again, the reason why we have to look at these things and these details, these little details make a big difference is because all of this, these interactions that took place that I just explained to you all happened before the police were called before they were called at no point in time was were the police called immediately after this this incident actually took place. The store owner gave him many, many opportunities to basically say, here's the pack of cigarettes back, let's just move on. He gave him an out, several out, several times. And George Floyd not only remained on site there, but he also just didn't care and kept blowing him off. The reason why this really is important to me as well is, is because the left makes George Floyd out to be literally they replace. I mean, they're memorializing this guy as if he sacrificed himself for the movement of BLM or something. That's what they're doing over and over again. You see them make these decisions the way that they are making all these murals and everything else, mistaking the and and of course this is just one small detail. This is completely ignoring the idea and the or the fact that we have literally. Uh, in his arrest records showing that he pointed a gun at a pregnant woman's stomach point blank to rob her this is ignoring the fact that this guy was drugged up on enough drugs to kill him regardless of what the police officers did this is ignoring the fact that he said he couldn't breathe well before he's put to the ground this is ignoring the fact that he requested to be put to the ground in the first place and that if he actually was fine in the car he would have been able to stay in the car this is ignoring the fact that even the neck restraint that they were showing on him actually was in the police training book. This is also ignoring the fact that the autopsies don't prove that he died from anything dealing with asphyxiation at all. All of the autopsies that are reputable at all are showing that he died from the drug overdose. But of course, once again, these are all the details that are going on with this. And of course I will keep you updated on what the progress of this actual case is. Right now, they're just going through a bunch of different witnesses, and it is mostly pretty boring, to be honest with you. But I'll let you know if any other developments take place throughout this, because it is important to kind of see where this goes. Either way, the BLM mob won't be happy with the results, regardless of what takes place. So as we all know, Trump is currently at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, uh, his basically a huge resort that he has down there. And this clip surfaced. It actually came from TMZ. And it's literally Trump crashing a couple's wedding.
3: You know, I just got, I turned off the news. I get all these flash reports and they're telling me about the border. They're telling me about China. <laughs> they're telling me about Iran. How are we doing with Iran? I didn't like that. <laughs> well, they were ready to make a deal. They would have done anything. They would have done anything. And this guy goes and drops the sanctions. And then he says, we're to negotiate now. We're not dealing with the United States. They don't, they don't want to deal with us and China, the same thing. They never treated us that way, right? You saw what happened a few days ago. It was terrible. And uh, the border is not good. The border is the worst anybody's ever seen it. And what you see now, multiply it times ten, Jim. You would know how to handle. He's the only one I know that might handle the border tougher than me. But we have to, and the tough is in the most humanitarian way because that's what it is. What's happening to the kids? They're living in squalor. They are living like nobody has ever seen anybody. There's never been anything like what's And you're going to have hundreds, and you have it now. They have the airplane photos, the shops, and they call them shops. And these things are showing thousands and thousands of people coming up from South America. And it's going to be, it's just, uh, look, it's a disaster. It's a humanitarian disaster from their standpoint, and it's going to destroy the country. And frankly, the country can't afford it. Because you're talking about massive and just incredibly massive amounts. Our school systems, our hospital systems, everything. So it's a rough thing. And I just say, do you miss me yet? (laughs) (laughs) And as we were saying, we did get 75 million votes. Nobody's ever gotten that. They said, get 66 million votes, sir. And the election's over. Well, I got 75 million. And they said... But you know, you saw what happened. 10:30 in the evening, all of a sudden they said, "It's a strange thing. Why are they closing up certain places?" But, you know, a lot of things happening right now. I just wanted you to say, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you at Mar-a-Lago. You are a great and beautiful couple, and for many, many years you, to You've
0: special. Have fun. Okay, so first of all, this is awesome. In my opinion, this is awesome. I think that. I think that any uh, general conservative couple would love to have Trump actually come to their wedding and do this and give a toast like this. So that is pretty cool. And it also shows that Trump's having a lot of fun too and relaxing and obviously enjoying his time off and not having to deal with all of the uh, craziness that's going on right now. But of course TMZ, when they actually released this footage is clearly going to attack Trump on this. That, that was the reason why they did it is that, Oh, Trump, he came out there and he made this whole thing about him. That's what this was about. It was all about Trump, and that is not good, is what TMZ is basically trying to do. To be honest with you, once again, if you're you're listening and you heard the applause in the the room there, it's very obvious to me that the couple loved it, that the people in the room loved it. If you're having your wedding at Mar-a-Lago, I don't think that... Trump talking about the the things that are happening at the border and things like that are a problem or issue for you because you knew what you were getting yourself into when you have Trump there at your wedding. So still very, very, very awesome to see him doing that and having a little bit of fun. And I want to see more of this. I want to see more of Trump just having fun out there and, and just actually just enjoying his time off from all of the craziness that's going on. But like I said, for the people at TMZ that are trying to use this same footage to basically attack Trump because he's talking about himself Trump always talks about these things. He always is going to talk about the border. I remember when Trump was going to speak at CPAC and so many people said, what is Trump going to say? What could he possibly say at CPAC? And I basically, along with anybody else that knows Trump basically said, "Trump is going to say the same thing he's always been saying. He's going to talk about the border. He's going to talk about immigration. He's going to talk about the election. He's going to talk about all of the stuff that he's been talking about. So this isn't, and shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that knows Trump what Trump has been saying and has been listening to Trump over the last four years. It's all the same stuff. So regardless, I enjoyed it. I think the people in the room clearly enjoyed it as well. So just a reminder, I do have a Patreon where you can donate directly to the show here as well. And if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please remember to leave a review as it does help the show out. So speaking of the crisis at the border, the crisis at the border that according to the Biden administration shall not be named, shall not be, Looked at, shall not be talked about. This crisis at the border, Ted Cruz decided to to basically take it upon himself to go there. To actually go on site to the actual border and see exactly what was going on.
1: So it's past midnight. I'm standing on the shore of the Rio Grande. The water is right behind me. I'm down on the Texas border along with 18 senators. We made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out. We've already gone to detention facilities that are overrun. Many of them with families, small children. We saw multiple mothers who were nursing infant babies who had just crossed over and were being housed in outdoor holding pens where they were sleeping on the floor and nursing their babies. We're at the edge of the river. On the other side of the river is Mexico. The other side of the river we have been listening to And seeing cartel members, human traffickers right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting the Border Patrol, because they know that under the current policy of the Biden administration, they can flood over here. They're getting paid four or five thousand dollars a person to smuggle them into this country. And our policies, when they smuggle them in, the Biden administration releases them. And more and more and more. Last month, 100,000 people came across the border illegally. We've got 15,000 kids in federal government custody. This is a humanitarian crisis. It's a public health crisis. The illegal immigrants who are being released, they're testing positive for COVID-19 at a seven times higher rate than the American population. And it's a national security crisis. And it's time for the Biden administration to put an end to it and stop sanctioning lawless chaos on our Southern border.
0: First of all, Ted Cruz is great for doing this. I I love that he's actually there on on the ground, not just talking about it, but actually going there to see what is actually happening because you know, he kind of has to go there. The reason why he has to go there is because the mainstream media doesn't want to cover it, plain and simple. So he's absolutely correct in talking about the issues that are going on at the border. And he has every right to be there and actually to criticize what's happening. So he correctly points out about the cartels that are being paid money to smuggle people into the country. This has been going on for a long period of time, but it's only worsened since Biden's gotten into office because of the fact that there's literally nobody turning them away. The current administration is trying so hard to basically be woke that they're saying, you know what, we're not going to bother having any kind of policy in place that we're going to enforce, of course. We're just going to let... Everybody run rampant into the country while pretending like we care about the coronavirus at the same time. Someone needs to cover this. The mainstream media is going to ignore it. So I'm glad Ted Cruz is on the ground actually doing something about it. Now, there's, there was a report that the Biden administration had reportedly put out a gag order on the Border Patrol agents with the media according to a few different sources. But the administration, of course, denied that and those reports, which isn't surprising at all either. So this clip got a lot of headway too, because Ted Cruz was basically on the ground and he was filming literally where they're keeping the children and the other kind of cages and detainment areas for these different immigrants.
3: Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So
1: you work for the commissioner, your senior advisor, you were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the because people because the, the rules. political leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please it, don't treat the people. You're right, and this is a such. dangerous place. Please don't treat the people. And your like policies this. That's all un- unfortunately me, are trying to hide them. I understand That's all I ask you are instructed. When 18 I senators came down please here,
0: respect the people, give them dignity I respect, and respect them and I
1: want to fix this situation we all want and to the fix administration you're working for is responsible anymore. for these conditions.
0: So for those that are listening to the audio only version of this, basically you have Ted Cruz trying to film what's happening in these cages, these detainment facilities. And this Biden operative basically jumps in his way, is trying to harass him, block him, block his camera from being able to film what's actually happening. Okay? Okay. Why don't they want people, the American people, to know what's actually happening on the ground here? Why are they trying to hide the truth? The camera doesn't lie. It's showing exactly what the conditions are there. Why are they trying to hide that? Why do they not want people to see what's happening? It's probably because it's a complete embarrassment. They don't want to admit that this border issue is a crisis. And it has been onset by Biden and his him trying to pretend as if he has some kind of immigration policy that works and it, of course, does not. So you have them basically detaining these people in these cages. They're overpacked, so there's capacity limits that are supposed to be there. They're completely overcapacity, like by a lot. Some some of the reports were showing three, four times the amount of people were stuffed into these different places. They've got them sleeping in these weird-looking tinfoil blankets. I mean, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. And there are children in there as well. Now we have to keep in mind that the Biden Harris administration is enabling these cartels to make millions of dollars off of these people. That has to be said because when you allow for anybody to come into the country, the cartels will pay. I mean, we're talking four or $5,000 a person. That's what they're paying these cartels to traffic them across the border. That is human trafficking folks. And if you think that these people aren't getting abused on their way over, you'd be out of your mind to think that they also don't value their lives whatsoever when they're helping them try, basically not even really helping them, but guiding them to where they need to go. They're not doing much for them whatsoever. And as a result of this, a nine year old Mexican girl actually drowned trying to cross the border into the U S this was a report just a few days ago. And according to the release, The U.S. Border Patrol agents assigned to Del Rio Sector's Marine Unit rescued two migrants attempting to cross the Rio Grande on March 20th. The agents came across three migrants who were stranded on the island on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande River. Agents found the individuals and immediately began administering first aid while transporting the migrants to shore. Two of the three migrants regained consciousness, a mother from Guatemala and her three-year-old child from Mexico the agents attempted to save the life of a nine-year-old girl from Mexico before handing her off to the Eagle Pass Fire Department's Emergency Medical Services. The statement confirmed the child remained unresponsive and she was pronounced deceased by medical professionals. And there you have it. Now, if this was under Trump, you'd be seeing this all day long that Trump killed this girl. That's what they would literally be saying. They would not be nice. They would not sugarcoat it. They wouldn't say the truth. They would just say, no, Trump did this. But of course you're going to get nothing but silence from the mainstream media. Once again, on these types of stories, because they don't want to focus on anything that's happening at the border. They don't want you to know what's happening there because it isn't good. And they're going to try their best to sugarcoat as much as they can, or just in their situation, their sugarcoating is just not talking about it, not telling you about it. If you never know about it, you know then it's not happening, right? Out of sight, out of mind, out of ear, out of mind. That's the way that the mainstream media likes to operate with these things. So we have to bring attention to these issues because it is important that they're brought up in the first place, especially when we're seeing that hypocrisy take place in the mainstream media as it always has done. So very recently, a lot of Democrats have basically been taking to Twitter and making statements that are saying that requiring an ID to vote is akin to Jim Crow laws. Now, of course, if you know anything about the actual Jim Jim Crow laws, which we'll get into, that doesn't make any sense at all. You can't conflate those two things whatsoever. So let's get into exactly why that whole entire argument makes no sense. So in this case, they're claiming that the Election Integrity Act of 2021 is the new Jim Crow. Okay. Now this is just to make sure that our elections are secure. That's all it is. This has nothing to do with anything else other than just to make sure that we know who is voting. That's all this is about. So Jim Crow laws mandated, complete racial segregation and were meant to marginalize African Americans by denying them the right to vote, hold jobs, get an education, or other opportunities. And going on with this, basically, there were segregated waiting rooms and bus and train stations that were required as well as water fountains, restrooms, building entrances, elevators, cemeteries, even amusement park and cashier windows. Now African-Americans were forbidden to living in white neighborhoods and segregation was enforced for public pools, phone booths, hospitals, asylums, jails, and residential homes for the elderly and handicapped. Now keep in mind, big news flash here. In case people don't already know this, all of those things that I just read off to you that were under the Jim Crow era, Democrats supported those policies. Only Democrats supported those policies. They were the ones that pushed them. They were the ones that implemented them. It was never the Republicans. So let's keep that in mind when they're talking about this looking like Jim Crow. So the Democrats are basically trying to convince Americans that requiring all voters to have a voter ID, Just a voter ID, some form of identification is somehow segregation. Now, how is that not racist? Because basically what they're saying is that minorities are too dumb to get an ID. They are unable, incapable of actually being able to buy or get an ID of some sort. And therefore, we must get rid of that so that the ones that are just too dumb to do it, which apparently they must all be like that, can actually get the chance to vote that's what we're talking about here the reason why an identification is required is for election integrity how many other things do you need an ID for we'll get into a little bit of this in the very end of the show but just keep that ID in mind you need an ID for many many things in life it's an everyday portion of life it's nothing new it's not a uh, taboo that's how you basically get around and live. If you're trying to do anything, you have to show some type of identification. So getting into this next story, a Democrat mayor is giving $500 a month to families of color to shrink the racial wealth gap. So let's get a little bit into what's happening here. So this is a Democrat mayor, Libby Schaaf, I believe of Oakland, California. She announced a new program Tuesday that will get $500 a month no strings attached checks to low income families of color though, low income white families are expressly excluded. So first of all, you're just handing checks out. It's like a blank check. Almost. You, they can do whatever they want to do with this. There's nothing on there saying it needs to go towards education. It needs to go towards food. It needs to go towards something else. It's just blanket $500 a month. So in other words, if somebody that gets this money wants to go buy a new car, then that's perfectly fine. They can just take this $500 and just completely commit it to buying a car because that would be stupid if you are not or if you're in the bracket, for example, of somebody that is under or whatever qualifies basically for this, which I'll get into in a second. But the point is, is that you're trying to put all of these people in this bubble that are minorities and say that they deserve this $500 that goes towards whatever they want. It can be stupid, it can be smart, but we don't care. Just give them money because money apparently solves all problems. Now, they're saying that starting this spring, it's going to be about 600 randomly selected families of color in Oakland will receive $500 checks each month for at least a year and a half and included families will have to make less than $30,000 annually and have at least one child. In other words, you probably should be spending that money very, fairly wisely, right? The issue is that they're not going to do that. Of course they're not. Why would you expect people to spend money wisely when you let them do whatever they want to do with it? You're going to have people doing nothing but buying clothes, buying not not clothes that they need, but just expensive, extraneous items because that's what happens when you give people free money for doing nothing except existing. Now, once again, the biggest problem, of course, with this is that you have poor white families that are excluded from this as if for some reason their money matters less or their lives don't matter at all. Once again, I mean, I don't support giving out free money regardless, but if you're going to do it, at least do it equally. You shouldn't be allowed to do this in a racist manner where you literally say, hey, look, you may be white and fall under the same uh, income bracket as these other minorities, but you're not going to get the money because of your skin color. Something you didn't choose, something you didn't come up with, something you had no idea that you were going to just have that you were just born with. And it's completely out of your control. That thing right there. Nope. You don't get anything at all. I don't understand how that works. (laughs) So this is a left-wing ideology as well, that the government is supposed to basically solve all of your problems, solve the problems of individuals being able to uh, achieve equal outcomes to fix this inequity, as it likes to talk about. Keep in mind, the government exists for two primary purposes. Number one is to protect the citizens from foreign invaders, adversaries, and issues like that. And the second one is to secure the rule of law. Anytime that the government is basically going and overreaching beyond that, normally it winds up where the government becomes the aggressor. They become this entity that is hurting, not helping because to give something to one group of people, they oftentimes had to take away from someone else. It's going to cost us money to pay for this thing or that thing. The government and the way that it works cannot solve your problems. It never has. It never will be able to stop looking for it to do that. That's the problem that we have with policies like this. So the Biden administration is looking at implementing vaccine passports. Now I predicted this. I think a lot of people actually predicted this because we were talking about this last year. When you had Ticketmaster, uh, as well as other companies, but Ticketmaster basically said, you know what, if you were going to have a concert or an event of some sort, we're just going to basically make it so that you are unable to go if you haven't had a vaccine. Well, what we're seeing here now is that they're trying to come up with a way to prove that you don't have a vaccine or haven't had a vaccine and, and then prove that you do by giving you a passport showing that you've taken the vaccine. Now, we all, like I said, knew that this was coming. The Washington Post actually first reported on Sunday that the Biden administration is coordinating with multiple government agencies in developing a system that will impact many aspects of life. Because, of course, it is. You're going to have... There's a very good chance that you're going to have situations where you are unable to go to the movies, go to the store, go to uh, any other place you can think of, theme parks, if you don't have this vaccine passport. Keep in mind that this is very similar to how China has operated for a very long time. They have this thing called, it's like a social uh, credit system. So here you have like your actual monetary credit and that's kind of it. But there they have a social credit card basically where the people are given a score based off of many things that are outside of just monetary things. It could be decisions they made in life it could be that somebody that maybe had has more education gets a higher social credit score it could be something like this where the people that get a vaccine get a bump in their social credit score but people that don't get it get a uh points taken off maybe and then they can go to a store or something and they say hey look we're not going to accept anybody that is below this threshold for their social credit That is scary. We shouldn't be in this situation where that's a thing, where we're basically identifying people by this stupid vaccine card like this. Now, keep in mind, Democrats say that you, in order to vote, you shouldn't have to have an ID, but you have to have this vaccine passport ID basically to operate within a normal world. How does that make any sense? This is the issue with all of these (laughs) discrepancies. You can't have it all. You can't try to be woke and fit in with everything else that's going on. It never works that way. There is no good logic for this at all. There never has been. Just do what we tell you. And then maybe you'll be able to return to normal. Maybe you'll be able to go back to your past life. The thing is that the vaccine isn't perfect. It never has been. It never will be. No vaccine is. Okay. So vaccines, what 95% more effective at what it does. Great. That's good. Right? Here's the problem. COVID also has a very, 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 very high recovery rate as well. So when you're talking about both of these things at the same time, if you're saying that, hey, you know, these people shouldn't be allowed to go into this place because they haven't had a vaccine is a bit ridiculous considering the fact that there's no perfect 100% effectiveness of this thing in the first place. Why are you requiring something for people to do that is not 100% effective? It's only 95% effective. And even then... People could still walk around getting it and then they'll just look crazy. Like, I got it, I still, you know what I mean? Like, the point is, you can get the vaccine, but you have to keep in mind that this should not be required for you to go into a store. It should not be required for you to live your life like a normal human being. Because it isn't perfect. Nothing is perfect. It literally isn't. So why require that for the supposed normality that they're trying to return everything in society back to it doesn't work that way it shouldn't work that way so i'll leave you with that to think about so i thank you for watching this or listening to this episode and i will see you on the next one you just watched an episode from the william hall show please remember to like share and subscribe